Well, church, I know that you will be back here at 7 p.m. today, this evening, in this place to be blessed by Christmas carols by our orchestra. Amen? And we'll have chocolate. Uh, Yeah, go ahead. Praise the Lord for that. Yeah. We'll have hot chocolate and cookies, I think, too. Right, Brad? You promised me that. You promised that. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, would you turn with me to Romans 15? Romans 15, uh, we'll start around verse 7 and go through verse 13, but Romans chapter 15, verse 7 through verse 13. Human beings can live 40 days without food, 4 days without water, 4 minutes without air, but we can't live 4 seconds without hope. In a book called Dying of Despair, a psychiatrist who studied the startling rise of deaths from suicide and drug overdoses, he reported, and I quote, over a 10-year span, it turns out that the one factor most strongly predictive of suicide is not how sick the person is, nor how many symptoms he exhibits, nor how much physical pain he's suffering, nor whether he's rich or poor. The most dangerous factor is a person's sense of hopelessness. For the man without hope is the likeliest candidate for suicide, end quote. We can't live without hope. Without hope, addicts fall back into old habits. Without hope, that word cancer, it cripples our outlook on life, doesn't it? Without hope, death is devastating. Without hope, the disappointment, the discouragement just detains us in this dungeon of depression and despair. Without hope. Without hope, students drop out of school, spouses give up on marriage. Without hope, parents dream of their prodigal coming home perishes. We cannot live without hope. And so today, our Christmas code word is, you guessed it, hope. And Paul has much to say about hope in Romans 15. Uh, verses 12 and 13, but we're going to back up to verse 7, try to get us the context of what all is happening in this letter, in this particular section of the letter to the church in Rome. So if you're in your, if you found your place, say, I'm there. Look at verse 7. Here we go. I'll read verse 7 to 13, and then we'll unpack this together. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Yeah. Accept one another as Christ has accepted you. And why? Look at the end of verse 7. For the glory of God. That's why. Verse 8. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised. Now, that's the Jews. The circumcised are the Jews. So Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, given to who? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, etc., the patriarchs. Verse 9. And in order that the Gentiles, those are anybody and everybody who's not a Jew, the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, verse 10, rejoice. O Gentiles, with his people. And again, verse 11. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. 
And again, Isaiah says, verse 12, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray for the reading of it, the receiving of it, and the response to it. Holy Spirit, have your way in our hearts today. In Christ's name we pray and God's people said... Our takeaway today is simple. Hope happens only in Jesus. So under that umbrella that hope happens only in Jesus, I want to point out three aspects of hope that that Paul really hones in on in verse 12 and 13. So here's the first one. As we have this umbrella that hope happens only in Jesus, first of all, I want us to consider that hope arrived in the Son, in the Son of God. And that baby in Bethlehem, hope appeared, hope arrived in God the Son. Uh, I've got some last-minute, or I've got a last-minute Christmas tip for parents. Y'all want to hear it? Here we go. Wrap some empty boxes and put them under the tree. And when your child acts up or acts out, just take one of them and throw them in the fireplace. (laughs) You're welcome, parents. You're welcome. (laughs) Hey, that'll straighten somebody out, won't it? See, our hope is not found in the presence under the tree. Our hope is found in the person who was present on Calvary's tree. That's God's Christmas tree. It's called the cross. Jesus wrapped in red, wrapped in blood, poured out and spilled for you and for me. That Jesus was born to die so that we could live. This is hope. (laughs) And it arrived in this person, Jesus of Nazareth, is where hope arrives from. And so here's how Paul lays this out. Look Look at the first part of verse 12. And again, Isaiah says, so Paul is, of course, the Jews would understand Isaiah. They would understand this is a messianic prophecy, the root of Jesse. They would would have gotten that. So so the Jews would have been listening here. They would have honed in on this. Yeah, the hope in the Old Testament was the coming Messiah. That was the hope. This confident assurance of a future event, the hope they had in the coming Messiah. And the Jews could be saved by putting their hope in this coming Messiah. And so Isaiah has a number of messianic prophecies, and this is one of them, the root of Jesse will come. So they put their hope in that. And so he's speaking their language. But what's what's happening here? What is the context of what's going on here? Well, this church in Rome, believe it or not, had people there. (laughs) And with the people, uh, they had problems. Can you believe that? These folks were not getting along. I know that's hard to believe. (laughs) There were people of different backgrounds and races and ethnicities and opinions and differences, and they weren't getting along. The Jews were having trouble accepting the Gentiles into the the covenant relationship with God because the Jews were the covenant people of God, not the Gentiles. And Paul's making a point from verse 9 through verse 
12 that the Gentiles have always been, always been included in the redemptive plan of God. That from the beginning, God told Abraham in Genesis 12, go and, 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 and I will make your name great among all the nations and you'll be a blessing to all nations, right? Not just Jews, but all of them. Yes, the gospel came first to the Jew, but then to the Gentile. Then to the Greek. And so Paul's making the point, the Gentiles being grafted into the family, this is not an afterthought. God didn't say, uh-oh, I forgot about them. This is not an afterthought. Paul's point is, they've been included in this from the beginning. They've, they've been a part of the redemptive plan of God. No, the, yes, the Jews are the covenant people of God, but the Gentiles have always been a part of the redemptive plan. And here's, here's what Paul does. He starts in verse 9 and he goes all the way back to King David, 2 Samuel 22, or Psalm 18, either one. And, and, and here's what he quotes. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. This is King David. After Yahweh has delivered him militarily from the Gentiles, then, then, then King David says, I'm going to praise you among the Gentiles. I'm going to make your power and your might known among the Gentiles. Pretty powerful stuff. That these Gentiles heard of the power and might of Yahweh. And then he goes to verse 10, Paul does, in Romans 15. And says, again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. Now, this is a text from Deuteronomy, from the Torah. From Moses, the first national leader of the Jews, Moses. Who, at the end of his song, is inviting the Gentiles to worship Yahweh with Yahweh's people. Pretty powerful. An invitation to rejoice with God's people. And then verse 11. This is from Psalm 117 verse 1. Where the psalmist says, Praise the Lord all you Gentiles. And let all the peoples extol him. That people from every tribe and nation and language and tongue would worship Yahweh. Why? Because he's worthy of it. That's why. And so Paul is making the point. The Gentiles have always been a part of God's redemptive plan. And then verse 12. We see from Isaiah. The root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. Now, who is the root of Jesse? Of course, we know that's Messiah. And what's his name? His name shall be called Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So Jesus is the root of Jesse. Jesus is the root and offspring of David, meaning he was before David. He was before Jesse, but he appeared after them in this baby born in Bethlehem, right? And then Paul says, in him, in this baby in a manger, in this unrecognizable man dying on a cross, in this resurrected one, in this anointed one, in him will the Gentiles hope. Wow. So here's Paul's point. For both Jew and Gentile, for both the circumcised and for the Gentiles, for both and, their hope hinged on the coming Messiah, the birth of Messiah, the life of Messiah, the ministry of Messiah, the atoning death of Messiah, the real resurrection of Messiah. Our hope hinges on Him. And it's true today for both black and white, rich, poor, red, yellow, brown, men, women, boys and girls, uneducated, educated, white collar, blue collar, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you're an atheist, an agnostic, a pagan. Doesn't matter if, you, if you're a witch or if you worship some kind of creation or you worship in a other kind of religion. Our hope is only found in Jesus. 
The only hope for every man, woman, boy, or girl is in Christ alone. Our hope happens only in Him. And that's what Paul says. You look at the end of verse 12. Here we go. In Him will the Gentiles hope. I love the word hope, don't you? It's not just a word on a page. (laughs) It's life-giving. The word hope doesn't mean positive thinking. It doesn't mean wishful thinking. It doesn't mean a fool's paradise or a pipe dream. It's not some pie-in-the-sky pop psychology. This is not some far-fetched story. It's not a tall tale. True hope is a confident assurance of a future event. Now, let me give you an example of this, of a confident assurance in a future event. Jesus talked to his disciples repeatedly and repeat, hey, guys, we're going to Jerusalem, right? I'm, I'm going to suffer at the hands of the chief, priests, the scribes, the elders. I'm going to be killed. And on the third day, I'm going to rise again. Amen? He told them that over and over and over again. Has it ever occurred to you that Jesus never one time doubted the future event of his resurrection? He never doubted that. Now he asked the Father, Father, if possible, take this cup from me. Take this wrath from me. Take this cross from me. But not as I will, as you will. But not one time did Jesus... Say, hey, Father, we need to talk. How can I know that I'm going to be resurrected? I mean, if I go through with this and I I breathe my last on the cross, how do I know that I'm going to be raised from the dead? He never questioned that. He never doubted that. In fact, before he was crucified, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. That's confident assurance, folks. He had a confident assurance that he'd be raised to life. That is hope. That's the essence. And Abraham had it too. Abraham was willingly ready to sacrifice his son Isaac on Mount Moriah because he knew somehow, someway, that God was going to resurrect Isaac from the dead. He knew that. Why? Because God made a promise to him about his son. He made a covenant promise and God doesn't break him. This is hope. A confident assurance in a future event. Do you have that kind of hope? You can. In Him, you can hope. And I love that phrase, in Him, don't you? In Him. (laughs) The Gentiles will hope in Him. It doesn't read that in piling up money, the Gentiles will hope. It doesn't read that in living life in the fast lane, Will the Gentiles hope? It doesn't read, in in achieving the pinnacle of your career, will the Gentiles hope? It doesn't read that relaxing in retirement, will the Gentiles hope? No, it says in Him, will the Gentiles hope? Not in actions done by Him, not in beliefs about Him, not in confessions concerning Him, not not in, in lessons from Him, not in ministry, done by him not in not in hymns about him but in him in him alone will the Gentiles hope in this baby born in a manger 
Not in prayers to Him. Not in, not in sayings about Him. Not in service to Him. Not in stuff from Him, but in Him. In Him will the Gentiles hope. John Ortberg said it well. So I'm going to quote what he said. He said, we all hope. But hope comes in two flavors. Hope for something or hope in someone. Now when we're hoping for something, we're hoping for a particular outcome. I hope that I get that job. I hope that I get that house. I hope that I get that girl. I hope that I get that girl and she gets that job and we get that house. Sometimes the thing we hope for is life or death. I hope this depression lifts. I hope it's not cancer. But one day it will be cancer. If not cancer, it will be something. It will be something else. Everything, all the some things we hope for will let us down. All of them. All of the some things will disappoint us. Everything, every circumstance, every situation that we hope for will wear out, give out, fall apart, melt down, go away. What happens then? What is your fallback hope when all other hopes are lost? The whole testimony of the Bible points to one man, the Lord Jesus. Not because he's going to give us something we've been hoping for, but because he's the someone we can put our hope in. In him will the Gentiles hope. Hope arrived in God the Son. Secondly, uh, hope is supplied by God the Father. Okay? It arrives in God the Son, but for God so loved the world, what did He do? He gave. So hope is supplied. God the Father is the supplier of the hope that we have in Christ. It is supplied by the God of hope. So how did this hope arrive? Well, a long time ago, in a Galilee far, far away. I know, that's terrible, isn't it? You can read about that Galilee far, far away. And of all things, get this, the book of Luke. Not Luke, I'm your father, but of course the apostle Luke. <laughs> right? And hope, it's, it's true, it, it comes from God the Father. It is supplied for by Him. I read some Lifeway research that said 91% of Americans celebrate Christmas. You know, first glance at that is kind of encouraging. 91% of our nation celebrates Christmas? Okay. Then you keep reading and you realize 42% of that 91% do not believe that the Son of God existed before Jesus was born. 15% of the nuns, not N-U-N-S, but N-O-N-E-S... <laughs> those that have no affiliation with any religion, religiously unaffiliated, the nuns, 15% uh, of them believe the Son of God existed before Jesus was born. The sad stat here is 63% of Christians, 63% of people who go to church more than four times a month, so some of them are going more than once a week, 63% of you, according to this study, don't believe that the Son of God existed before Jesus was born. Church, we need to settle this right now. Please understand, God the Son has always existed. The second person of the Trinity has always existed. He, he, he is the creator. He, he hasn't been created. He appeared in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. 
Yes, but he's always existed. Always. So if you do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you do not believe that the Son of God existed before Jesus was born, you're not celebrating Christmas. I don't know what you're celebrating, but it's not Christmas. Paul says it like this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. That's the whole point. I bring you this day good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Right? Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth with whom he is well pleased. Joy, peace, hope comes in the person of Christ supplied by God the Father but arriving in God the Son. So, so look at this. May the God of hope, not the man of hope, praise God for that, right? Not just a man of hope. Not just any old guy born in Bethlehem. No, this is God in the flesh. This is the creator appearing in and through his creation of all things. Wow. Yes, this God of hope, this God of confident assurance, not a God of anger, not a God of bullying, not a God of curses, not a God of fear. It doesn't say may the God of fear. It says may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. And this hope is both in verse 8 for the Jews and verse 9 for the Gentiles. For all of us. So, how can we believe this? How can we know that God is the God of hope? Two tangible results of hope. Somebody say joy. Somebody say peace. Here they are right here. (laughs) Joy and peace. Joy is the fruit of a right relationship with God. That's what joy is. It comes from the same word in the Greek where we get the word grace. In the Greek, it's C-H-A-R-A. Same root word. It it speaks of happiness and pleasure beyond uh, this world, into the next world, and forever and ever. It's it's the joy of the Lord that resides within every believer. For fear not, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And the next one is peace. Somebody say peace. Yeah, peace is the well-being and the fulfillment of, of, of knowing and understanding that you are right with God, it comes from God, and it's dependent upon His presence. So peace is not the absence of whatever. It's not the absence of war. It's not the absence of COVID-19. It's not the absence of trouble. Peace is the presence of someone. It's not the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. Peace is not the absence of the world and all that's in it. Peace is the presence of the Word and all that's in Him. Peace is not the absence of a virus. It's the presence of Jesus in the midst of the virus. Joy and peace. And, and, and look what the Bible says here. How do we get that? In believing. You see the I-N-G on the end of that word, believing? It's a continuous believing. In believing. All I have to do is believe? Yes and no. <laughs> now, even the demons believed and they shuddered, right? So this believe in the Greek, this word is pisteo, which means to have faith in. Same word for faith, believe. So what's the difference in belief and faith? What's the difference in those two words? The demons believed and they shuddered. In fact, the demons believed that Jesus was the Son of God. They believed in the incarnation. Absolutely. They called him Son of the Most High God. They called him Jesus of Nazareth. They believed that Jesus was the Son of God. But they didn't have faith in him. So what's the difference in belief and faith? One word. Trust. Somebody say trust. That's the difference right there. They didn't trust in him. Believing in, in believing is trusting in. And you can be filled with joy and peace.
as you experience this hope that is supplied by God and has arrived in God the Son. And here we have listed, isn't it awesome in this text, we've got all three of our Christmas code words we've studied for it so far, joy, peace, and hope. All three right here. That God the Son allowed peace to arrive and God the Father supplied this peace that we can be filled. Look at that little phrase there, fill you in verse 13. It's not F-E-E-L to fill full, but it's F-I-L-L, to fill up, to make complete. Uh, the, the idea is overflow. The idea is to fill up, to supply fully, to bring to completion. to fur- In other words, here's what God wants to furnish your heart with joy and peace. The furniture that God wants to put into your heart and life is joy and peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Tanya ordered some furniture. She ordered it about two years ago. I think we'll get it in the year 2027, I think. But in order for us to receive that furniture and put it into the house, we got to take some furniture out of the house. It's not all going to fit. That furniture we have now has to be removed for this new furniture to come in. So yes, God is the supply. It's the whole deal of supply and demand. Supply and demand. Supply and demand. God is the supplier of hope. He supplies it. Okay? The supply is up to Him. The demand, that's up to you. For, for you to be filled up with joy and peace, you've got to get rid of three things out of your heart. Me, myself, and I. they got to go. Self has to go. Self-promotion has to go. Self-pursuit has to go. Selfishness has to go. Self-righteousness has to go. Self has to go for you to be filled up with joy and with peace. To be filled up. He wants to fill you with joy and with peace. Which means in Christ there is no hopelessness at all. In Christ there's no helplessness at all. Why? Because hope arrived in God the Son. It is supplied by God the Father. For God so loved the world that He gave this hope. He gave His his only Son, Jesus, that whosoever believes in Him, Jesus, should not perish but have eternal life. Wow. Number three. Last one, church. Hope is applied by the Holy Spirit. So it arrives in God the Son. It is supplied by God the Father. And the application of hope It is applied by God the Holy Spirit through the power and the presence and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, you're, you're more than welcome to disagree with me. That's fine. That's fine. You and Brad have every right to be wrong. You can disagree with me. But it's an impossibility. It's impossible to preach a Christmas biblical Christmas message without mentioning the Trinity. You cannot do it. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Son, hope arrived in Him. God the Father supplied it, but here's what happens. When you're saved on this earth, you're not taken immediately to heaven, are you? No, you're You're here for some amount of time. Why? There's work to do. 
There's, there's a kingdom that God wants us to be servants to the king and, 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 and advance his kingdom. There, there's work to do. Disciples to be made. And so the Holy Spirit immediately takes residence in our lives. And then the beauty of this is this hope that saved us is the same hope that helps us survive. It's the same hope. And it is applied by the Holy Spirit. And, and it's not just... It's not just you get just enough hope to get by. Look what it says at the end of verse 13. Abound in hope. That means to exceed and excel and to overflow in hope. That, that, that it's hope overflowing in abundance. The idea is to have plenty over and above. To be in abundance of hope through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Spilling over out of your life into the lives of other people. This is why we're here. <laughs> when people look at you and say, how can you be so joyful and peaceful about this? Man, the world's falling apart. How, how can you have such confident assurance? Where does that come from? Well, let me tell you who it comes from. It comes from a relationship with your creator God who loved you so much he sent his son to die for you. To be raised from the dead. And one day he's coming again. By the power and the presence, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So regardless, if you accept it or not, if you believe it or not, it doesn't matter if you concede to it or not, if you deny it or not, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter at all if you have it or not, if you like it or not, if you found it or not, if you go with it or not. It doesn't matter if you receive it or not or reject it or not. It's regardless of your temperament, regardless of your personality, regardless of your circumstances. It is God's will for you to have a continual abundance of confident assurance through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer, that is His will for your life. To you to, for you to live with a continual overflowing of confident assurance, regardless of what you're going through or not. Hope is a fundamental, fundamental element of the Christian life. And it is God's will for you to live with a living hope. And a live hope. Not a little hope. Not a lifeless hope. But a living and a live hope. And the Holy Spirit applies that to anything and everything you face. For example, let's just run down a list here. When you're exhausted, the Holy Spirit gives us or gives you fresh energy. Think about it. When, 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 when we grieve over the death of a loved one, hope gets us through the grief. When we suffer with a painful disease, hope helps us to persevere. <laughs> when, you, when you're paralyzed by fear, hope reminds you that God is in control. When we're tempted to quit, hope is the thing that keeps us to keep on keeping on. Hope is that thing. When we're discouraged, hope lifts us. When we're in darkness, hope lights our path. When you're anxious, hope calms you. When you're lonely, hope reminds you you're not alone. When you're rejected, hope reminds you that you are loved. This is hope applied. It's not a word on a page. 
It's a living alive. Peace, assurance, and joy that comes only in and through and by the Holy Spirit of God through a relationship with God the Son, the Lord Jesus. I was reading the other day about a hiker. He got lost hiking in Lake County, Colorado. He, he didn't have enough stuff to spend the night on the trail, but he had to. 24 hours he was missing or lost. Early the next morning, he walked out and found his car. But all that afternoon, the day before, when he turned up lost and his buddies couldn't find him, and all that night and into the next morning, the Lake County search and rescue team were searching for him all over that mountain. And they were not only on, on, on foot searching for him, but they were also calling his phone to no avail. They, they couldn't reach him. And it wasn't because his battery was low or dead. It wasn't because he had bad cell service. It wasn't because he had no cell service. But this hiker that was lost would not answer his phone because he did not recognize the number. <laughs> and they kept calling. It wasn't just one call. They kept calling and kept calling. And kept calling, and he wouldn't answer. Reminded me of God the Father in the Garden of Eden, calling Adam, 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 where are you? Adam, where are you? When Adam and Eve were hiding in their sin, reminds me of the Lord Jesus. He came to seek and save the lost, and he continued to call people and call people and call people, and they continued to reject him and turn away from him and walk away from him. And reject him and reject him and reject him. And today the Holy Spirit is drawing people unto salvation. He's calling you, he's calling you, he's calling you. And you're continually refusing to answer his call. The Holy Spirit is the one through the power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He applies this hope. He's the one that draws you unto salvation. For the first time you ever experience hope. To be saved. And then he's the one who takes residence in your heart and life and gives you the hope to survive once you're saved. I was reading about an experiment these scientists were doing on some wharf rats. They put these rats in a tank and they're going to see how long they could survive before they drown. And it was average about 17 minutes. So they repeated the experiment. But this time, right before they drowned, they rescued them. They pulled them out. They put them in their cage. They fed them for a few days. Just let them be. And then they repeated the experiment again. But this time, the rats didn't make it just 17 minutes. They made it for 36 hours. What was the difference? One scientist said it like this. They were able to survive because they had been saved. They'd been rescued. And so they were able to survive. Again, hope is not a word on a page. It is that, but it's so much more. Have you been rescued have you been saved? If not, then hope has never been applied in your heart and in your life. And Jesus is the only one who can give you that hope. Peter said it like this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. A living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. What a glorious word. Hope. You can have it today. You know, hope happens only in Jesus. There's a lot of things happens in Hamilton County. 
Tomorrow there's going to be some handing out of turkeys in Hamilton County, right? Habits, good and bad, happen in Hamilton County. Happiness happens. Hamilton County is a happy place to live, but at the same time, harshness and harm and hatred and hastiness and haughtiness also happen in Hamilton County. Honoring father and mother may or may not happen in Hamilton County. Husbands loving or not loving their wives happens in Hamilton County. Rightly and wrongly handling the word of truth, that happens in Hamilton County. Making it hard to go to heaven, that happens in Hamilton County. But making it hard to go to hell from Hamilton County, that only happens in Jesus. In him will the Gentiles hope. Hearing but never learning. Hearing but never learning. Hearing but never learning. (laughs) That happens in Hamilton County. Hauling heavy burdens happens in Hamilton County. Helicopter parenting. Hello? I bet that happens in Hamilton County. Heralding good news and bad news happens in Hamilton County. Before COVID-19, HIPAA laws used to happen in Hamilton County. They used to. Hiding burdens from one another, hiding sin from one another, that happens in Hamilton County. Not humbling oneself happens in Hamilton County. But hope, hope happens only in Jesus. In Him will the Gentiles hope. In Him. See, the Bible says in Him and on Him, Jesus, we set our hope. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. This is Jesus. That there's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, who is over all and through all and in all. In Christ, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we await for our blessed hope, the appearing of our of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Meanwhile, we have this sure and steadfast, the Bible calls it an anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. You see, because of Christ, we've been born again to a living hope, and we stand ready to make a a defense for the reason, for the hope that we have within us. In Him, in Him alone, hope happens only in Jesus' And it can happen in you too. Father, we-